You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. This episode of The Assembly Call is brought to you by SeatGeek. As you know, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy, and that is with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is by far the easiest way that I have found to shop for tickets because I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats, uh, and I plan to use this. My wife and I have a 17-month-old, haven't been a lot of nights out recently, but we plan to have one soon, and we will definitely be using SeatGeek to find concert tickets so that we can go out and enjoy a nice evening, and we know that SeatGeek will make the ticket buying experience easier than ever because it saves us time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And best of all, Assembly Call listeners get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. So just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today, and you will get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That is promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 58th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 369th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, January 4th, 2018. I'm your host, Jared Morris, and let's begin this week how we begin every episode of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moments. And... This week's banner moment for me comes from Archie Miller's postgame comments after the Wisconsin game, which I thought showed a clear understanding of why we lost. And I thought his face showed everything that you needed to see regarding his disappointment and at times his anger. And, you know, I, I know, you know, listening to, to some people this week, you know, Kent Sterling uh, in particular, uh, you know, he said maybe it would help if I, you know, help IU fans a little bit if Archie was maybe a little bit more emotional or apoplectic at times in postgame situations after games like these. But I like how Archie handles himself in these situations. He speaks matter of fact. He holds his team to account when it's warranted. He holds himself to account when it's warranted. And like I said, he can't hide the disappointment on his face, even if he's not going crazy and yelling and berating people. And to me, that tells you all you need to know, because as a fan who pays close attention I think it really saps your confidence and your enthusiasm when your team plays poorly and then you turn to your coach for answers and you get either pointless, edgeless coach speak or worse, you get statements that seem to actually contradict the actual issues that caused the loss. So, you know, people ask what has improved about the team this year and I would say turnovers and defense are better overall, even if they're still a little bit up and down. 
but the one other more subtle thing is that at least based on his public comments, we seem to have a coach who clearly understands the shortcomings of his team. And we're going to talk about one specific one coming up here in a bit that he mentioned during that postgame talk. Now, whether he can fix the issues this season is a whole other story. And what kind of personal relationships he has with players and what ability he has to push their buttons, there's no real way of knowing. But improvement starts with understanding your team's most glaring issues, nuanced as they may be. And Archie, at least based on what we hear him say, seems to have a handle on that. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left, we have one of the world's most respected bracketologists and the longtime president of the Robert Johnson Fan Club. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your Bottoms line on the past week in IU basketball? You know, it's it's probably good that we had an extra, I don't know, extra is maybe not the right word, but, you know, a day in between the end of the game uh, and, and the show. And I think it's it's kind of given me time to digest you know, a lot of different perspectives uh, on on the Wisconsin game, which obviously was, uh, you know, really disappointing. And, uh, you know, I think we we touched on it a lot. I asked not to to have to speak about it anymore tonight. But, um, you, you know, I think it's it's kind of given at least some chance to to digest it. And I think it'll make for probably some good discussion tonight, but just the different angles uh, and and kind of reaching out. To, to people to see, you know, what angles they want us to take uh, was interesting because there's a, a whole lot of them, a laundry list, uh, in fact. And I think that makes it hard to figure out how to and maybe that's why some of the fans are, are upset. It's like you don't really quite know how to feel because I think there are so many, you know, different components of this and different places that you might point the finger or things that you think might be the root cause. And um, ultimately, a lot of a lot of things to be frustrated by. Um, they might be covering up some things to feel good about, but it's, um, you know, been kind of an interesting couple of days hearing how different people have reacted to it in different ways. And, uh, I think it'll, it'll make for some good conversation for us tonight as we've all had, you know, an extra day to, to process as, as much as we probably tried not to think about it as soon as the game got over. Absolutely. And to my right, we have a man who is certain that with his advanced knowledge of Ethan Happ's go-to moves, he could have held Happ to say 27 points on Tuesday night. He's a columnist for the big lead, and he is a self-proclaimed shot doctor who continues to maintain his open invitation for any Hoosiers to come out to San Diego to work with him and who humbly promises, according to his marketing pamphlet, which I'm holding right now, to help you go from shooting like Harris Muezinovich to shooting like Nick Zeisloft at the barn in just one afternoon of work. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant from the past week in Indiana basketball? Wow, you uh, you really went deep there with the Harris Muezinovich uh, <laughs> reference. Well done, <laughs> my you. friend. I did Joliet Junior College, no less. Um, I think, uh, I, you know, it, it's just I, there's not much of a rant because I'm just kind of despondent after that loss to to um, to Wisconsin. I just want this team to come out and play well this weekend. I mean, the barn is not an easy place to play, but that's a vulnerable team in Minnesota. They could really beat and I just want them to come out and play like they want to win a game and I just haven't felt like that in some of these games and and particularly Fort Wayne and then Wisconsin it just felt like there was a resignation that well we're not going to win this game so let's rest up for the next one and that's not how you play basketball you know this isn't the NBA where by the fourth quarter all the stars want out of a blowout uh, you got to you know put some effort in and 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 prove that you belong and prove that you care. 
I mean, as as the the team's former coach used to say, prove that the name on the front of the jersey means something, you know. And and um, there's a reason Indiana doesn't have names on the back. You know, it, it's about the team and it's about you know playing for IU and playing for Indiana basketball. And I want to see some of these kids play with some pride. I don't care who it is, you know, whether it's the last guy off the bench or whether it's the the senior starting guards. I mean, someone needs to play. Uh, like they want to win and somebody needs to be scrappy enough to get these guys going and be a vocal leader and a leader by example, both, which is something that they just, they really don't seem to have right now. All right. Well, here's what we are going to discuss this week. We're going to talk about Archie Miller's biggest challenge, as I just mentioned, as revealed in his postgame comments against Wisconsin. I look forward to getting Andy and Ryan's thoughts on that. We'll also talk about the two biggest issues that have put us in this position where a lot of people are freaking out after a bad second half in Madison. And then we're going to address a bunch of the topics that you asked us to cover, comparing IU to Ohio State and Illinois, both with new coaches, the notion of benching players, overall player grades, more. We're going to get to as much of that as we have time for all of that here on this edition of Assembly Call Radio. And real quick, this reminder, the next time that you're looking for tickets to a sporting event or a concert, remember our friends at SeatGeek. You can download their app, obviously, which is incredibly convenient and easy to use. Or if you just want an easy-to-remember URL that will take you directly to the IU Basketball ticket listings on SeatGeek's website, use this URL, iutickets.shop. That'll take you right there. For example... Do you want tickets to one of Indiana's Big Ten games? You get tickets to the game this weekend in the barn or any of the remaining games on the schedule. SeatGeek has you covered and at the best price that you will find anywhere. So check out the latest ticket deals on the SeatGeek app or at iutickets.shop. And if it's your first time using SeatGeek, don't forget the promo code ASSEMBLY. Use it when you make your first purchase and you will get $20 back after that purchase. Again, the promo code ASSEMBLY. All right. You are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. So, guys, I went back and I listened to Archie's postgame comments after the Wisconsin game again today. And upon re-listening to it, I really think that one of his statements gave us some insight into what I think is the single biggest issue that this team is facing. So, Zach Osterman, a friend Zach Osterman, asked Archie in reference to Archie's previous comments about the team you know, being low energy, this just being a low energy team. Zach said, or asked him, so in real time, where does the energy have to come from in the game? And Archie answered, I think it's everything, but I definitely think it starts and stops with your defensive intensity. And then Archie went on to cite that Indiana gave up just 30 points in the first half, but then 14 in the first four minutes of the second half. And he's like, how did that happen? And to quote him, he said, there's a lack of toughness. There is a lack of intensity defensively if it's guarding the ball, whether it's discipline guarding the post, rebounding the ball on the first miss, all of those things come into play for 40 minutes at a time. And as I listened to that, it got me thinking about how stark a contrast that is for what especially the experienced players are used to and what the young guys were recruited into. Because this has been a program for years that has derived its energy from offense, from creating a frantic pace, from hunting threes, all the stuff that we've seen and that at times worked and at times, at times frustrated all of us. And when things went right, it was often because shots were falling and the other team's heads were spinning. And in Archie's view of basketball, the complete inverse is true. The energy comes from the defense, not the other way around. So when you think about it in that context, you know, maybe we shouldn't be so surprised that the transition hasn't been smooth. And, and, and look, we've talked about this, how it's such a drastic difference. But specifically that idea of energy and why these guys seem a little bit low energy sometimes, maybe that's a big part of the reason why, because they're still kind of learning and trying to figure out 
how to get energy from defense instead of offense. Uh, and Andy, I'll kick that over to you first. Your thoughts on that? Am I? Uh, what do you think about what Archie said there? No, I, I, you know, I, I certainly don't think you're reading too much into it. And I think particularly for a team that is, I think the other thing is how the team has usually performed over these last few years when they were playing well. I don't think this team was equipped to do at all. So even if you, you know, even if you, you know, some of the, the comments around, you know, looking at the roster and things like that, I think it was Crimson Cassidy you know, posed the question of like, well, if, if Kareen was still here and this team was still running that system, like, how would this personnel fare within that system? And I think the answer for everybody is probably not well. Um, you know, uh, an offense so based on being able to shoot the basketball wouldn't really perform well in that environment. And I think they're not performing well in this one either, in, in part because of what you said, where, you know, the way that they, you know, their default setting in the past was really to play frenetic um, offensively and really try to make things happen. And I think there was a stretch somewhat late in the game that that epitomized that that I brought up on the show where had chances kind of got finally got a couple stops and took two three pointers that weren't necessarily bad shots um, under normal circumstances or maybe for you know a different set of players the kinds of shots that you would take in that scenario a year ago and hopefully and hope to build some momentum by knocking down these shots but the reality is they missed both this isn't a good three-point shooting team and they can't generate that energy in that way um, but they haven't really been able to adjust to doing it the other way, at least for long stretches. And I think his point about being able to do those things for 40 minutes is important because what we have seen is there have been times, um, again, it's Youngstown State, so take that with a grain of salt, but they really came out of the locker room in that game and and really forced and really turned the game defensively in that scenario, um, really came out intense on that end of the floor, forced some turnovers, got some easy runouts. And even in the, the part of that Wisconsin game, we're able to do that where, you know, two or three, two or three possessions almost in a row in the first half, they had nice fast breaks, two on one breaks guard made a nice pass to a guy for a layup. Um, those are the kinds of ways that this team needs to score, not in transition shooting, pull up threes. And um, yeah, you just see kind of the, the push and pull of what's trying to go on between what guys are used to doing and uh, what Archie wants them to do. So I think it's a fair point, Ryan. Yeah. I mean, I think you're still, you're, you're, you're relying on guys who are used to doing things a different way. And, and you'd hope that they would have learned by now um, how to do it. Uh, but sometimes that stuff is organic. It's not coaching. It's, you know, to learn how to build momentum off defense is not something that's innate. And it's not something that just comes to you. I, I think that um, for everybody, I mean, and I think that some people need to sort of do it for a while to learn maybe or learn or, or not do it for a while and learn, you know, what it is to actually defend for a full you know, 30 seconds every time and what it is to defend for an entire 40 minutes. Um, and, and, and to use that, you know, use a shot clock violation, use a steal, use, you know, things like that to motivate you as opposed to using the offense, which is easier and more tangible, uh, when you're a player to, to recognize, you know, the benefits of, um, so I, I just think that it's something that we, we had probably all hoped that they'd be better at by now, but they're just not. And and it, it might take longer than we thought for them to sort of change that mentality. And it might be why some of the younger guys 
at, at, at times early in the season, especially seemed to be having an easier time with the system because they didn't have those other habits to break. And so we're getting guys who um, have been used to for years building off of offense. And now they're having to try and build off of defense, you know, for momentum purposes. And it's just not happening. And, and, you know, there's, there's stretches where they play really good defense and you're getting, I mean, we've seen more shot clock violations this year already than we saw last year defensively. Um, They are playing better defense objectively. They really are, but it's also, you know, it goes away at times and it's not, innate and it's not you know just second nature to a lot of the guys on the team uh and you feel like it's going to take some time to get there for some of them and and unfortunately taking that time might you know they might not be here by the time they finally get it uh or that it may be really late in their in their season uh in their final season before they they get it so um ho- i think i think as a fan you've got to hope that uh, this is something that there's some kind of big revelation coming where these guys turn it around and, and figure it out. But there's certainly aspects of the team that are much better than last year. Uh, but then, of course, there's the things that aren't as good as last year, and that, that's a problem. Yeah. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we're going to talk about what I think are the two reasons why the reaction has been so strong since that Wisconsin game. Uh, and then we'll get into the topics you wanted us to address. Coming up next. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the Script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. listening to the assembly call i'm jared morris here with andy bottoms and ryan phillips don't forget if you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of assembly call radio there are two great ways to catch up you can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts just search for assembly call or you can join our live thursday night broadcast or watch the video replays by subscribing to our youtube channel at youtube.com slash assembly call So, you know, the the reaction to this Wisconsin loss has been interesting because it's not like it's a shock to go up to Madison and lose. I mean, it's happened, what, every year for 20 straight years. So, I mean, we're kind of used to this. And, you know, it's not like Indiana totally got its doors blown off. I mean, we let it halftime, actually played pretty well for 20 minutes. And yet, you know, on the show, I mean, we were all basically despondent and using words like dispirited and, you know, really, you know, going after, you know, what we thought was, you know, lack of effort, a lack of focus. And then, you know, Andy, like you said, the past 36 hours has been a a variety of different perspectives. You know, a lot of people having different reactions. I've been trying to kind of figure out why that is. And I think obviously, you know, just the visual of seeing how the team played in the second half, knowing how limited Wisconsin was. This was not a vintage Wisconsin team. A win was there for the taking. If we had showed, it felt like if we had showed any shred of real want to, and it just didn't seem like we did in the second half. But, you know, I also think there are two big kind of lingering issues that are causing this reaction. One is the losses to Indiana State and Fort Wayne. I think those still linger. 
and, you know, if you don't have those losses in here, especially if those games are wins, I think you're able to deal a little bit better with that Wisconsin loss. But the fact that, you know, two out of 15 performances have just been so unbelievably bad, I think it magnifies any bad performance that we see thereafter. And the other one is unrealistic expectations coming into this year. And I especially place blame on those idiotic analysts who talked themselves into the idealized version of every player and the team and that made crazy comments like this would be a 21-win team and finish fifth in the conference. I'm not going to name any names about people who said that, um, but you probably know who I'm referring to. Probably, my, probably myself, just some like, fanboy blogger yeah, or something like that. fanboy I would, blogger. I would no, guess. My, no, myself. And, and, and look, you know, we saw a lot of the national media guys you know, picking Indiana 11th and 12th in the conference, and who knows where the Hoosiers eventually finish. But certainly with what we've seen, the pessimism from the national media heading into the season right now seems like a more accurate view than some of the more optimistic takes that some of us closer to the team had. Because I think we, you know, we thought a guy like Deron Davis would take that next up and kind of take that next step and kind of play up to his recruiting level. A lot of us thought Curtis Jones might break out. And we kind of thought all these guys would play to the best versions of themselves when in reality, you know, outside of Zach McRoberts and Juwan Morgan, who really has? A lot of guys have actually underperformed expectations. And so I just wonder if some of us got caught up so much in the coaching change and excitement over Archie and just distancing ourselves from last year that we kind of let our expectations run rampant a little bit. And that's creating some of this disconnect right now where you're seeing this team struggle. But, man, we thought the NCAA tournament was possible and now we're kind of holding the team and the coach to this unrealistic expectation. And it's all we have the benefit of hindsight. But, you know, look, I mean, we come on here and talk every week and we say certain things. And so, uh, you know, obviously I was as optimistic as anybody. So I just think it bears mentioning that maybe we set the, the expectations a little bit too high. Uh, and it's that the team was never going to be able to live up to at all. Do you, Andy, I mean, do you think those two things are, are part of, kind of the stew that has created this seemingly seeming overreaction to the Wisconsin loss. And yet those of us who are close to it, I think feel like in a lot of ways it is still justified. Yeah, it's, it's an odd one. I mean, I think I don't necessarily disagree with, with what you said. I think when you look at it over the course of the season, I think every time you kind of felt like things might be turning a corner, I think it's, I guess the lack of progress or the lack of perceived progress, which, which the things that you said kind of factor into, right? I mean, you start the season, you, you, you come out with Indiana state loss, but then you see some improvement. You get to the Duke game and you start to think like, all right, well, things are turning around. That was a, you know, an aberration. Maybe that's not who this team is. Play the Duke game, come out, play really poorly in the first part of the Michigan game. Don't do well, but you, you know, you kind of ebbs and flows a little bit more. You beat Notre Dame. Um, you, you play tough against Louisville for a decent amount of time. Um, you, you pick up that Iowa win and you kind of walk out of that, that thinking, all right, well, maybe things are really improving. I'm seeing the improvement that I want to see. And then the rug gets pulled out from under you again at Fort Wayne. And now I think the rope before you start to panic gets a little bit shorter and a little bit shorter each time. So now in this case, they only had two good games, but you still kind of start to think, all right, well, maybe this is, you know, big 10 opener. You're playing Wisconsin. Students aren't going to be there. They're depleted. Maybe it's there. And then you see that performance like that. I and think you play it's good really, for 20 minutes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and again, you see it. It's, it's I think it's the inconsistency more than anything and the inability to kind of sustain the improvement and not take not take steps back within, you know, a, a, a one week span that I think plays into it. But I think the things that you talked about are are kind of symptoms of that. Right. Playing so poorly in those games is a symptom of that. 
certain players not playing as well as everybody thought they would or improving in the way that they thought they would in the system is symptomatic of that as well. Yeah, and, and the problem is a lot of these guys that were on the team last year, we saw them be inconsistent and ebb and flow from game to game with their focus and their energy. And so, again, I think we, being optimistic fans like we are, talked ourselves, in, talked ourselves into things that we haven't seen instead of just trusting the things that we had seen. And that's the problem is we're seeing more of the stuff that we've already seen, and maybe we should have put a little bit more faith in that and not been quite so willing to kind of grant the benefit of the doubt or expect guys to make jumps that they haven't yet proven themselves ready to make. Ryan, your thoughts? Yeah, here's here's the reason why I think it was easy to to ascribe hope to this team. Preseason last year, there was a lot of hype around this team, and a lot of people thought, hey, coming off a Big Ten title, a lot of key pieces are back. Uh, you know, you lose, obviously, Yogi and, and Troy Williams, but there were pieces there. And and, and you lose, you know, Zayas Loft and, and Max Bielfeld as well. But there were pieces there and guys who had been there and won a Big Ten title. And you figured, okay, they're just going to build. And that didn't happen. And it was a rough year. But I think you could also ascribe that to a lot of reasons, you know, injuries uh, to certain to certain key guys at key times of the year, all that stuff, you know, kind of unraveled things. And you can look at it and say, well, those guys are still talented and they were still here for the Big Ten title game when you enter this year or the Big Ten championship. I mean, you've got Juwan Morgan, you've got uh, Colin Hartman, even Tim Priller off the bench. Uh, Newkirk was around on that team. Robert Johnson was on that team. I mean, you've got guys who were a part of that team still here and you figure, well, you know what? I mean, they're only going to get better with time and work and they just have it. I mean, Juwan Morgan, I think, is better. But other than that, these guys haven't gotten better and they haven't improved the way they probably should, especially when you hear about all offseason, how hard they were working and everything. And and so you I think that our expectations were high because there was reason to to at least be somewhat optimistic, given the guys who are back, who were on that Big Ten championship team and and and, you know, in key positions. They just haven't performed to the level. And you're right, you were right, Jared. You, you hit the nail on the head. Guys are underperforming their expectations. Were those expectations too high? Maybe. But they were there nonetheless. And you've got to compare to what they were expected to do. And I think Juwan Morgan is really, Juwan Morgan and Zach McGrath are the only guys who have exceeded expectations. Um, I'd say Colin Hartman at times has reached them, but I think you have to give him a little bit of a grace period there for the injury. So we really, he has an incomplete grade so far, I'd say, if you're looking at the grades uh, on these guys. And so, you know, they're not giving you what you were expecting and what I'm sure a guy like, you know, Archie was relying on. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing, I mean, you see so often in, in college basketball where, you, you know, yeah, the one and dones are obviously a big deal, but you see teams with with groups of veteran guys who have kind of grown together over a period of time be successful, maybe not win a national championship, which obviously was never a thought for this team. But you see those kinds of teams be able to, um, you know, to, to play well. And you walk into the season with a roster full of guys who, you know, what, five seniors um, and, a, a, you know, and a, a couple of juniors. And you think, all right, well, this is the kind of team that's going to be able to handle a coaching change and, and those kinds of things because they've been through a lot and all those kinds of things. And and to your point, Jared, it, the, the flip side of that coin is these are veteran guys who we've seen perform in certain situations. And so I think it was uh, easy to get caught up in the excitement and maybe talk yourself into it, into removing some things from your mind that you'd already seen 
uh, multiple times and thinking that all of a sudden it was going to be something different. Yeah, and it's hard. Well, you just expect the team to mature and get better over time. And, and off seasons are where players are made. And, and you know, preseason, you know, like the fall is where teams are made. I mean, that's what they always say. And then the early games of the season are where you build the rest, you build it out. Um, and then by the time you hit, uh, you know, conference play, you are sort of where you are. And, and you know, it feels like these guys did not get discernibly better in the offseason. And that's where you're supposed to make leaps as a player. And we saw it, you know, and you see it with the guys who go to the NBA. They get discernibly better, you know, in their offseasons and, and in their work with their work ethic and with showing up and just working on stuff. And it feels like a little bit maybe this team had trouble adjusting to the new system of working out or, you know, what they had these guys doing in the offseason. You saw guys get into better shape. You saw guys lose weight. You saw guys, you know, develop better habits as far as nutrition and things like that. But maybe the basketball skills lagged behind that as a result. I don't know. Maybe they weren't able to incorporate those. They, those guys individually weren't able to incorporate those two, two things together. You work out too much. Maybe you're too tired to go get shots up. Maybe if you, you know, are eating differently, you don't have the energy to do whatever. I mean, you know, it, it's, it puts you on a different schedule and maybe they didn't adjust well to it. That's certainly something that, that Archie and his staff are going to have to examine in the offseason because these guys, the next wave of guys needs to get discernibly better at basketball skills as well as, you know, the, the workout regimen. If you're listening to the Assembly Call, I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Brian Phillips. So, fellas, we got a long list of topics people wanted us to address, and so we'll start hitting those. We will start, of course, with our long-term, uh, long-time listener, Pam, who wants to know, Ryan, if there are any new cereals uh, that you are into. Uh, I will say over Christmas, I tried some Kellogg's Smart Start. Uh, that was actually decent. I, was ex- I felt really old because I actually kind of liked it. Uh, I felt like I was like 104. Um, a lot of fiber, a lot of roughage, good for your diet, good for your stomach, good for your gut, as they say nowadays. Um, so, so sorry yeah, that's I what asked I, this question. That's what I was going with. Um, <laughs> I always stick with the classics. I love, I love some Cheerios, Honey Nut Cheerios. Uh, you know, those are always, always wow, my he's, go-to. He's still going. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. Cut him off. Hey, Cut. you asked the question. I... No, Pam asked the question. Actually, I was just I was just Who relaying it. This is question. <laughs> Look, if Pam asks us a question, we are going to ask the question. She's been with us for a long time. She she has earned that right. So, Pam, that was for you, you. made the decision, Morris. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's hit one more of these before we take a break. Uh, and Andy, you tell me maybe maybe this will take us. You know, we need to talk about it next break, too. But one thing that we've heard a lot of talk about and certainly people are talking about it on Twitter is. Well, look, Indiana is not the only program that's dealing with a coaching change. And there are some other teams that have a coaching change and they're doing OK. You know, Ohio State is outperforming expectations and Butler obviously has a coaching change and they're playing pretty well. Uh, and, and so let's talk about those and compare those and contrast those a little bit, because, I mean, it's fair to, to look at those and analyze those. But every situation is different. So I'm not sure any of them are truly apples to apples comparisons. Yeah, I don't know there either. I think uh, the Butler one, I guess, to me, is the easier one first. I mean, you know, we hear all this about the Butler way and all those things. We're just, you know, class to class of guys. It kind of gets passed down. This is the way we do things. Um, and and so they have a coach who's been part of that system. And I think that one is one where it's kind of what you aspire to as a program, where people will say the same thing about Michigan State. Like, this is, you know, here's the responsibility of you as a player. And that's really what you want to build. So in an ideal world, Hopefully IU gets itself to that scenario. That's not where they are right now. But rather, I think rather than detonating the program every time there's a coaching change. 
Yes, exactly. Um, so the Ohio State one is interesting. You know, and kind of looking over their roster from a year ago, there's a few things that stick out to me. Uh, you know, one is uh, Keita Bates Diop is back and healthy. That's you know he's he's playing really well for them this year and had played well in the past as a complimentary player and has really kind of grown over his time there. I think the other thing when you look at the guys that they lost. You could certainly make the argument that there's some addition by subtraction there. You know, Mark Loving was an inefficient, you know, player, uh, certainly in his last year, just seemed disinterested at times the further into his Ohio State career as he got. Um, you had Jaquan Lyle, who by most accounts was was kind of a knucklehead and, uh, you know, ended up, you know, seeing himself out uh, there. We'll see, you know, what he what he does at his next stop. And then, you know, Trevor Thompson was a, a decent big man, but I think he put his name in the NBA draft. The guy who I don't really know. Uh, certainly didn't get drafted. Don't really know that those were reasonable aspirations. So I think you've kind of got this core group of, of guys now who does have some experience when, when you look at, um, you know, Jay Sean Tate and, and Bates Diop and, uh, and some of those guys, but I do think Holtman deserves a lot of credit for getting them to buy in. I think systematically, uh, you know, just in terms of tempo is kind of an easy way to look at how are they playing? It's, it's not all that different than what Mata was playing versus like a, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to throw Illinois out as another example. You know, they had a coaching change and their tempo jumped from, you know, like the, like almost 250 up to 50 now. So just you're in talking terms about of, rankings, national rankings. Yeah. National rankings. So just in terms of how fast they play and, and where they rank, I mean, that's a huge difference and they're not playing all that well. Um, you know, they're certain, certainly doing things differently, you know, defensive defensively, they're making a lot more steals because they're playing faster and trying to do some of those kinds of things. But yeah, I mean, they jumped from, you know, last year they were 249th and adjusted tempo to 51st this year. So that's a pretty big change systematically. And I'm not so sure that I use changes probably could be categorized as quite that big. Um, but I think that might be a little bit more apples to apples, but I, I do think the one, if you want to point to one and say, Hey, this one, this is the one you want to hold up. I think it's Ohio state just because they don't have a ton of guys on the roster, just in terms of just raw number of scholarship players. I think that was, uh, you know, has been a pretty big challenge. And I, you know, I give, I, I do give Holtman a lot of credit for that. So I think if there's one that's there, um, that, that you want really want to point to, I would certainly point to that one. If you want to, you know, kind of prop up your argument for why that's, you know, concerning, uh, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. I keep hearing people talk about Butler and comparing it to IU. There's a difference. Butler's coach left a good team for a, a better job. It wasn't like the team imploded and they had to, they fired him and had to replace him because of a bad season. When there's a bad season, you got to rebuild and, and you got to, you got to change things up. And really Butler has just continued. It's not, you know, it, it's, it, there's a reason it hasn't seemed like a big change and that's because it's not. Uh, also they have a senior leader and a go-to guy in Keela Martin, who's averaging 19.3 points a game. He returned after averaging 16 points a game and being pretty much their go-to guy at times last year. So they already had a built-in leader to keep that team together and focused and everything. And then they just, you know, everybody else around him improved. So it's not like it was a catastrophic season last year that they had to replace something like IU basically had. And, and so um, I would say that's a big difference. And I think that with Ohio State, again, you've got guys there who are performing above expectations where Indiana didn't is not. And, and you mentioned Kate Bates, the op Jay Sean Tate. I mean, they've had guys who've been there before and have been successful. Diop could have been based. Diop could have been good last year, but as you mentioned, he was injured most of the year. So we don't know. He could have, you know, it could have been a situation where this wouldn't be surprising. Um, so I, look there, these situations are never identical. Um, and, and I think you can't just say, Oh, well they have a new coach. Oh, well they have a new coach. Let's compare them. 
there, you know, there's, there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of things that are different. Sometimes you move into a situation where there's a lot of guys who fit your system. Sometimes you don't. And I think that we're seeing the latter here right now with Archie Miller. Yeah, just one one quick thing to jump in on here. So they, they've got a guard, C.J. Jackson, who I think was a, a JUCO transfer maybe last year. I think he, he shows up as a junior this year, but he, he played last year uh, as a sophomore. I'm just looking on the, the Ken Palm page. And, you know, he he's scoring a lot of points for them and, and playing pretty well. But I, I went back and just kind of did a quick search, saw an article where, you know, Holtman basically took him out of the starting lineup for the, the two Big Ten games in early December because he had turned the ball over 12 times in the prior two games in the games against Clemson and Butler. They, they lost both of them. He had turned the ball over 12 times, took him out, benched him to start the game. He responded in those games by still playing a good number of minutes, played 54 minutes over the course of those two games, scored in double figures in both games, and had three combined turnovers in both games. So for whatever reason, people want to talk about you know, oh, if Archie Miller, you know, needs to be harder on these guys and not play people, what you want to see is the player respond. We've seen Miller take guys out of games for making mistakes. We've seen him sit guys for extended periods of time, and I don't think the response has always been what you want. So maybe he needs to start pushing different buttons than that, but I think it's a good example of, for whatever reason, Holtman doing that seemed to be more effective with that particular player in that situation than what we've seen with Archie and a lot of the guys on IU's team so far. Hmm. Interesting stuff there. All right, we are going to continue this conversation going over the topics that you asked us to discuss. And, Andy, let's talk about that. Let's talk about this notion of benching players and what Archie should be doing. That's next on the Assembly Call. Stick with me. listening to the assembly call go to assemblycall.com slash join right now to learn how to subscribe to our email newsletter if you want to get more out of being an iu basketball fan then you need to be on our newsletter list you will get our weekly six banner sunday news roundups as well as our post-game analysis emails it is all free and it will make you a smarter iu basketball fan again the url is assemblycall.com slash join I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips breaking down the week in Indiana basketball in the aftermath of the loss to Wisconsin. And guys, let's talk about this notion that's kind of been bandied about, about, you know, let's just, you know, let's bench everybody, you know, play the walk-ons if they're going to give effort and play all the young guys and, you know, people bringing up, uh, you know, the 50-point loss against Minnesota when Bobby Knight benched guys and the game in 84, 85 or whatever it was when, you know, he benched all the starters except for Uwe Blob and, you know, could this work now? And, and Ryan, you mentioned something about this on the postgame show. You know, play Johnny Jager. Play whoever's going to play hard. And to me, there are a few issues that I see with this. Number one, you know, the notion of just, you know, number well, first, number one, Archie has been benching guys. So this notion that he hasn't been putting guys on the bench and holding people accountable, if that notion is out there, totally erroneous because he has. But then when you bench guys, other guys still have to play well because you do have games to win. You do have to compete. And I continue to think that while, th- while the team is obviously struggling right now, the best thing long-term for this season and for the program as a whole is to go through these growing pains, but hopefully guys start to get it in, in February, in late February, and into early March. Because even though you may not make the NCAA tournament, you can build some momentum, hopefully, you know, as you go out of this season and into next season. And I just think it's way too early to start saying, like, you know, Forget Robert Johnson and Josh Newkirk. Play those guys 10 minutes and give Al Durham and Devontae Green all their minutes. I mean, if, if Al and Devontae aren't earning the minutes, then they shouldn't just go in by default because you're frustrated with Josh and Robert. So I just think that's easy to throw out, and it makes for a good little pithy tweet. I don't think it actually captures the nuance of what's going on or would be the smart thing to do at this point in the season. 
Ryan, what do you think? You know, I think that when I said that, uh, and, and I've said that several times, that maybe, you know, it's a ch- it's a time to give other guys playing time. I don't mean necessarily you start them and play them 30 minutes and play the other guys 10. I mean, put them on the floor. Give them a chance because maybe them being out there will show the other guys how they should be playing. You know, That's fair. Let, Tim Pr- let Tim Priller run around out there and show some effort. Maybe that'll galvanize people to say, hey, you know what? He's giving his all. Why can't you know? I should be doing more. And, and maybe he, he dominated be, Purdue last year. Hey, just, you know what? Uh, I believe he was last seen wearing a walking boot. So that if he well, does, if he can play well with that, then it'll be even more impressive. So it would only add to the legend. Um, no, I look. I think that uh, you know you just got to give somebody else a chance to do something. And I'm not saying you know never play the other guys again. What I'm saying is you know what. Give someone a, when things are going bad during a game, sit them and allow somebody else a chance um, who works hard every day in practice. And maybe we'll go out there and run around and take a charge or something that'll get guys pumped up and, and create some momentum and, uh, you know, maybe change things up. And, and you know, maybe, again, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But if, if a game is going like the Wisconsin game or the Fort Wayne game, I mean, what do you have to lose, really? I mean, there's just no you know, energy in those games, put somebody out there who's, who's earned it through practice um, and, and who's earned it through, you know, just their effort. And, and I don't think anybody's uh, would argue with that, but no, I agree. You don't throw in the towel on the season and, and you don't, um, you know, just forget the other guys are on the team. But I think that, you know, you give somebody a chance that hasn't had a chance yet, and maybe it helps. Well, and you know, and a lot of people are mentioning Clifton Moore, for example, as a guy that they just that they want to see play. And as we've all talked about, I mean, if Clifton Moore was showing any shred of being ready for big time sure. minutes, surely he would be in there. You know, given the depth issues we've had, given the fact that Archie has sat Deron Davis for stretches that haven't been foul trouble related. So, you know, that's the other question is, do you just throw a guy out there even if he's not ready and hasn't necessarily earned it in practice? So, you know, you also have to. I think we're getting to the point where you kind of have to. And, and, and again, I'm, I'm not Archie Miller. I'm not a head well, coach. What if he's not earning it in practice, though? Now you're compromising your standard you know, for especially what Especially with a young guy like that, maybe the carrot of some playing time would get him to do better. And I'm not questioning Archie Miller. He knows his team better than we do. He does. I mean, he absolutely does. And that was one thing that, while a lot of things Tom Crean did bothered me, I, you know, a lot of the criticism, uh, criticisms of him came from people who didn't know his team as well as he did. So, you know, look, he knows his team. He knows what they deserve on, on, the, on the court and everything. But I think if it gets to a point where you're seeing performances like Wisconsin regularly, then, yeah, it's time to do something else. And it's time to throw some other guys out there. Andy? Yeah, I mean, to, to me, it feels like it, it's just easy to mix up a whole lot of things here. I, I think, you know, one of, the, one of the things I mentioned is we were you know, sending some emails back and forth. It's like, you know, the, there's this notion that like, oh, well, you need to put in guys who are going to play hard. Well, I think there's guys who are playing hard that aren't playing well. So how do you delineate between uh, Robert Johnson as the president of the fan club? I guess, you know, yeah. I'll bring this up. I mean, I, nobody is going to argue that he's playing well uh, or at least not very well uh, right now. There's flashes and things like that. But I also don't but I don't think it's a case of him not playing hard. Um, no, Josh played, Kirk's playing hard, too. He's just not 38 playing minutes against that. So it's like, I, you know, so then when you, you kind of put that lens on it, then you've kind of got this you know, the buckets of players you could put in, we, you can't, we kind of like prop this like walk on type bucket up of energy guy who has earned the playing time in practice, who's going to energize everybody. And then you've got the freshman who you're saying you, you want to get experience. I don't, I don't mean, this is you Ryan necessarily, but right. 
you know, trying to, you know, these guys need to get experience. Well, well, in an ideal world, you'd be playing guys who need to get experience who have earned it with, who have earned it by playing really hard in practice. And I don't know that, it, you know, none of us know, as you said, who that guy is, but I find it extremely hard to believe that if any of the, the freshmen were playing that well in practice, that they would get more time in the game. And I use Justin Smith as an example, you know, I can use kind of Durham and Smith, you know, Durham, I thought responded pretty well to getting taken out of the starting lineup. He was a little bit more active, you know, made a shot, played okay, not great, didn't play to the level that he played at earlier in the season. But I thought he, for one, kind of responded well to that scenario. Um, and then Justin Smith comes in and because he ends up being lost defensively, picks up two fouls in, in virtually no time and really kind of takes himself back out of the game. So, I, you know, I think that's what's difficult. I think, you know, it's easy to kind of throw out these different things and say, well, what do you want to accomplish? Do you want to accomplish motivating people by getting guys in there who play hard? In which case, the answer is not an easy one at all. Sure. If you just want to play the freshman to get them experience, the answer to that's easy. I'm not sure that people are going to like the result of what's going to happen with that. Right. But I think it's just trying to figure out how you balance those things. And I think they all get kind of jumbled up when everybody talks about it. And, the, and kind of same thing with the whole like playing hard versus playing well. And a lot of guys playing well on this team. As you said earlier, where, you know, if you know, the number of guys that have exceeded expectations, you can count on, you know, certainly on one hand, maybe only on a couple fingers. And and so that becomes difficult as well, where the list of guys playing well is so short that it becomes pretty difficult to to really figure out, OK, well, I'm going to go construct a roster. Who in the world am I going to put on the floor? Even the notion of playing hard can be difficult sometimes because sometimes it can look like a guy's not playing hard and maybe he's just tentative. And I think maybe you're seeing well, some of that with guys in a new system, maybe in some new roles that are thinking a little bit too much and not playing with the same level of aggression or speed that maybe we're used to. So my, like, I, like, I think Robert Johnson falls into that sometimes. For well, and also one thing about young guys is, uh, especially is they think they're going 100% when they don't realize there's another gear there that they haven't learned that they can access, you know? Yeah. And so maybe they're, they think they are playing really hard, but there's just another level they haven't gotten to yet. You see that in college football, you see it in college basketball and you see it, you know, certainly in the end, like in, in the pro ranks as well as guys just, they think they're going all out, but they just don't even know that there's another level to go to. So it does take time to sort of learn what playing hard actually means. Yep. All right. Uh, coming up in our last segment, we'll pick up the rest of this conversation and uh, handle a couple other questions that you all asked us. That's next on the assembly call. Stick with us. Listening to the Assembly Call, I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, wrapping up another week of talking about Indiana basketball as we always do. So, guys, I think we all agree that if Indiana is going to, you know, move past a loss like the game against Wisconsin and more consistently play like they have in their better games as opposed to how they have in their worst games, someone's going to have to step up as a leader because this has been a program that has been lacking internal leadership. Certainly it was a big problem last year. We've seen that continue this year, which, you know, really shouldn't be that big of a surprise given, uh, you know, the personnel on this team. So leaders are going to have to, to step up Andy. And, and, and we were talking just off air uh, about that very topic. So, uh, so let's talk about leadership and maybe who the guys are who could potentially step up and help lead a turnaround as we, you know, go into mid January and into February. Yeah. And listening to, you know, Jeff Rabjohns on uh, Kent Sterling's show on Wednesday, I guess it was, you know, he kind of threw out Colin Juwan and, and to a lesser extent, Robert Johnson is really the guys that he kind of said, you know, these are the ones who 
guys would be most apt to listen to would would maybe be the most ones likely to you know stand up in a you know kind of team meeting in the locker room and say hey this is what it's going to be like and i think it, I, I tend to agree with that and i think that's what we've we've talked about with these guys i think the challenge becomes that you know, Colin and, and Juwan were the guys who talked to the media after the Wisconsin game, and they, they stood there, and they, and they kind of said the things that you want to hear, that they need to generate the energy, and it doesn't need to come from the coach, and all the kind of things that everybody thinks, and, and they all sound good. Um, I think if you line that up with the comments after the Fort Wayne game, as an example, though, they're probably a lot of the same comments. And so the question becomes, how do you how do you do what you're saying uh, in, in talking about those things? Because I think that's something that has really, you know, kind of plagued the program kind of post Yogi in these last two seasons is really having a guy who's going to call other guys out. Um, and I think that that becomes challenging and, and you start to look at a team with so many seniors and you wonder, you think at some point somebody's going to stand up and say, look, I'm not going out like this. This isn't how my career here is going to end. But I, I almost wonder in some ways, like are we're at the halfway point of the season. Are we too late? Have we passed the point in time where like that would be a useful you know, kind of angle for, for a senior to take. I, I don't really know, but I think, you know, those seem to be the obvious guys to do that. I don't think any of the freshmen are really playing well enough. That's a lot to put on their plate. And certainly the sophomores, I don't think have played all that well in, in recent games either. So kind of has to come from that in an ideal world. It's probably Juwan because he's a guy who's going to be around next year. Um, and maybe can kind of build that going forward. But, you know, those seem like the obvious guys. I just think that we've kind of gotten to a point where you need to see it at some point. Well, I'm, I'm the guy who opened the show talking about how impressed I am with the coach's post-game press conference and how it's important that at least, you know, he's, he seems to be showing an understanding of what the issues are. Now can he fix them? So at least those guys do seem to understand what the issue is. And that, that is the first step towards actually doing it. Like you said, maybe as the season goes on, there's a bit of a sense of urgency that, hey, you know, we don't have many more opportunities left. And yeah, I know, you know, the season hasn't gone how we wanted, but there's always the Big Ten tournament and there's always, you know, playing spoiler. And, and, and there's still a lot of things to play for in setting this foundation. So maybe because of that, those guys can actually start turning their words into actions a little bit more. And maybe as they get more comfortable in the system, it's a little bit easier to just go out and play rather than having to think so much. Because I would think that when you can do that, you can be a little bit more instinctive and, and lead a little bit better too. You have more, I guess, mental space to actually be, you know, be leaders as well. So who knows? I mean, I, I have no idea what's contributing to it. And the alternative is maybe these guys just aren't cut out to be leaders of a team also. I mean, that, that is a, a possibility because that's what we've seen. Uh, Ryan, your thoughts on this? We got a couple minutes left. Well, I think I think partially one of the issues is too is is there has been a serious talent drain on this team over the last two years. You look at who you've lost, and you've lost from the last two years. You've like Yogi Ferrell, Troy Williams, Thomas Bryant, OG Ananobi, all NBA players. Uh, you've also lost Zeiss Loft. You've lost Bielfeld. Uh, you know that's a lot to lose. And it's also a lot to lose from a, from a leadership perspective. While Thomas Bryant was immature, he was a guy that could rally guys and give guys energy. Um, you know, OG Ananobi, some of the plays he made, while he was a very, you know, not an uh, overly effusive guy, I think, to say the least, the plays he would make would give people energy and, and get people fired up. Then you look at Yogi and Troy. Even James uh, Blackman with a shooting. Occasionally, yeah. I mean, and, and then you look at Yogi and Troy, who were guys that could really yank a guy's jersey and, and, you know, hey, pay attention, focus, let's get this done. 
Bielfeld and, and then Zaislav, a, a guy who was a momentum changer with his three-point shot. I mean, you, you know, there, there'd be times Indiana being on a terrible run and Yogi or, or, or Nick Zaislav would hit a three and just turn the game around. Um, you know, and you, when you lose those things, it's, it's not necessarily, I, I do agree that there needs to be a leader, but it's not necessarily all about leadership. It's also about, as we've said before, roster construction and, and you know, it, certain roster constructions and having certain types of guys make leadership a lot easier. Uh, you know, to, to, to do and, and uh, you know, to perform a, a leadership function. So uh, I think there's a lot of things going on with this team and, and we've got to hope that the next, next year's recruiting class comes in as a unit of guys who wants to lead and wants to, you know, take ownership of the program if we don't see it down the stretch this year. See, I think that was a really good point. I think that you responded well to the tongue lashing that you got after the serial, you know, just the, the awful uh, uh, serial segment. So, I came off the bench and did my job. You did. Right? You came back. You responded well. That's what needs to happen. No, you're right. I mean, it, sometimes the simple answer is the easiest one, right? And this team has lost a lot of talent, clearly isn't as good, and yet it's kind of easy to still hold the team to some of those lingering expectations that we've had from really talented teams from the and last And I'm not saying years. we shouldn't hold them to expectations. Yeah, I'm yeah. definitely not saying that. You certainly still need to uphold a standard for the program. And, you know, sometimes you're going to have a year where everybody leaves and it's not going to be great. But this isn't that year, and I think that 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 there should be more from these guys. But at the same time, you do kind of have to look at the bigger picture of the program and kind of understand what's been going on and, and where we've lost things. Yep. All righty. Well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. 
So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.